What's going on, guys? It's Yahavi David, St. Clair Speaks, and you are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app and start your journey today. It's that time. What's going on, guys? It's your hobby, David. St. Clair Speaks. And you are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks Show. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks Show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the St. Clair Speaks Show podcast. I'm your host, Yahavi St. Clair. Now, guys, I am sitting here with another incredible guest. I have the honor to introduce personal finance coach, Ashley Van Veen. Ashley, it is an honor to have you on the St. Clair Speaks Your Podcast. Please tell our audience a little bit more about you, what you do, uh, your backstory, and of course, what brings you on the St. Clair Speaks Your Podcast. Hi. So yes, my name is Ashley. I'm a personal finance coach. I am... My day job, I'm a respiratory therapist, um, but outside of that, I'm a money coach. I like to talk about money specifically. I like to, the part where we talk about building wealth, um, and that's investing. And because I'm a nine-to-fiver, like I said, I'm a respiratory therapist, I like to encourage other, other nine-to-fivers to really hone in on their company benefits, like their 401ks, 403bs, TSPs make sure that you're using those resources to build wealth um, for a number of reasons. And we're going to, we can dive into that um, in the podcast, but I, I came across to Javi in on clubhouse and, you know, we just had to talk about, you know, the come up, like what's, what's up with the come up as far as like building wealth, what's the, the, the best way to go about it. We talked about real estate. I talked about investing, um, and specifically long-term investing. And so, you know, it's, I really like the fact that we got to do that. Just two people um, learning about how each, how each other is pursuing wealth. Oh man, it was, it was just a dope, uh, it was a real good organic connection. And the things that you were touching on and how, and there was a lot of things that I didn't know that you put me onto. And, that, and that's why I love Clubhouse but that's another reason why I wanted to get you on this podcast as soon as possible. So I kind of want to dive into like, let, take us back. Where, where does this all begin for you? What got you on this path today? And why is what you do so important for the people now more than other? So I am 28. Um, and it's important for me to say that because um, it's never too late and it's never too early, especially for the millennials and Gen Zs who are listening, it's never too early to start investing for the long term. So I started thinking about money, um, whether I started investing when I started my first job and I opened a 401k account, rather it was actually a 43B account, right? So that's when I first started investing. And I want this to be held, to be heard loud and clear. When you are putting money into these accounts, a 401k, a 403b, a TSB, these are investment vehicles. And that's a really great way of 
starting to invest um, because you're getting the tax benefits of investing through these accounts first. So I started investing there. I had no idea that I was investing probably until later when I left my first job and I saw that the money, that the little bit of change that I was putting away into this account, that it grew like a lot, like exponentially. I'm thinking like, I probably put away like $600, but it grew to $2,000. And I was like, okay, <laughs> okay, this is, there's something here. So I kind of like delved more into it and, and, and started to invest more, but not, really not substantially. Um, and in about 2018, I came across Dave Ramsey. And if anybody knows Dave Ramsey, he's all about getting out of debt and doing this debt snowball and the baby steps and all that stuff. So I did that um, and then realized that, okay, and what? I'm debt free. Like I, I paid off like 20, I bought a brand new car and I paid it off in 10 months. And, and then, then I realized, okay, I'm debt free. Now what? I'm still broke. Like <laughs> I have nothing to show for all this money that I just put on my car. And so, you know, I, I just try to read some books and figure out like, how do you become wealthy? And um, I started to curate my, my, my social media experience so that I wasn't just seeing selfies and thirst traps anymore. I was just seeing content that inspired me and really propelled me to be a better me. Um, and so I started following people talking about money on Instagram, specifically people who looked like me, who were the same age, um, talking about money and talking about retiring early. And I didn't even think about that. I just thought about like, I would go to work for 40 years. And when I get to 65, I retire. But the, con the concept of what that really means, you know, putting money away in your 401k all throughout the years, like, what am I really doing? Essentially, I'm building a reserve of money for which I will take income from in my retirement. And then I came across the idea that I can potentially accelerate my retirement by putting more money into it. And then, you know, another exciting thing about that is that I can calculate when I will get to that, to, to that reserve number that I can be completely financially independent, meaning that I can live off of my investments as opposed to having to go into work. So, so as, yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. But so I, I wanted to ask you, I want to ask you, um, so with, with all that being said, as a personal finance coach, what, what would be the top three things that you would suggest for someone who doesn't have a 401k established? You know, they, they never started out. They have no idea about retirement and the benefits of, of starting now. Uh, what are three things that you would suggest right off the bat that someone should do or look into? Refer, give me a referral and I will sponsor your business in an ad segment just like this. Visit stclairspeaks.com and learn more about the St. Clair Speaks Show podcast proposal. It's that time with my gift for gabability. So opportunities come to those who hustle. So if you're not hustling, you're not creating the opportunities for yourself, you're never going to be successful. You got to do the groundwork and the groundwork starts with you. Oh, yeah.
If you are you not attached to a job, then you can you can open an IRA or individual retirement account. We want to start with these kinds of brokerage accounts to invest because of the tax advantages, right? I don't like to pay tax like paying taxes is important because that's the way we fund our schools and 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 give our money to our pensioners and things like that. But if the IRS says you don't need to pay more taxes than we're allowing you to, that that you don't have to, then why not take advantage of these things? So open an IRA. And you can only open an IRA at a brokerage that allows you to do so. So I'm not talking about Robinhood, I'm not talking about Stash or any of these cutesy apps that are out there, right? There are some of them that do. And so you wanna go to a brokerage that offers you the flexibility to open an IRA, meaning an individual retirement account. Um, and then, so there's two kinds, you have a traditional IRA and you have a Roth IRA. The Roth IRA is the more popular one because you put money inside of it and you don't have to pay taxes on it anymore. So if, you, if your investment grows to a million dollars, you never have to pay taxes on a million dollars. So that's good. Um, so open uh, an, uh, uh, an IRA, most likely it's a Roth IRA, um, which is most more common. Um, and then what you invest, normally, you know, like people say, buy what you know or buy what you use all the time. I don't like that advice. And here's why I don't like that advice. You should buy what everybody buys, right? So just because you support a business doesn't mean that the majority of consumers also find this business valuable and buy this business. So there's a lot of thought that goes into buying a stock that's like, like a great stock, um, a stock that gives you the most return, a stock that has longevity, a stock that has utility for most people, right? So there's a lot Then you have to look at the financial statement of the company, look at their PE ratios, look at like all this stuff goes into picking a really good stock. So what's the next best thing? Buy an index fund or a mutual fund or, um, or an uh, exchange traded fund. These are combination of stocks of like every stock. You can have an index fund that has a sample of every single company that's on the stock market, or you can have ones that are specific to different sectors of the market. Like you can have real estate index funds, you can have S&P 500 index funds, and the list goes on and on. So start there, start from a collective kind of way of going about it, because what you're doing is that you're mitigating risk. And we know, you know, we often hear these horror stories that I lost $50,000 in one day, and, um, and then, or I gained $50,000 in one day, like it's so volatile kind of thing. It's not meant to be that way. So then the third thing to, for me, like the third advice is to adjust your attitude about investing. It's not gambling. Um, and it's, you have to be in it for the, for the long haul. Um, and so, you know, just putting the money away, even in an economic downturn may not seem like, you know, intuitive to do, but when you're buying something, you're looking at the price of it. So if the price of Apple goes down to 50% of what it's worth, you know that Apple is a solid company. So if Apple is now all of a sudden $50 a share, 
you would think like, I'm gonna buy Apple right now because it's $50 a share because I know it's gonna come back up, right? Because like Apple is a strong company and so is Amazon, all that kind of stuff. So that's my top three. Uh, I mean, yeah, that was a very strong top three as well. Uh, thank you for sharing. Um, you know, it's so many different ways to get started in investing in general. So a lot of people experience this overload of information. There was just, you know, just a couple of weeks back, there was the hype with GameStop and people are being drawn into various different ways to, you know, invest, right? Um, with the economy going the way that it is and, uh, I guess we know we're heading towards the rebuild, the healing, the recovery, also with the finances as well, because people, you know, they, they lost work, they lost their job. So what, what have you worked with people as well? This is a good question, but have you worked with people who, you know, had a 401k setup that they didn't transfer over or that they abandoned years ago? Because it's a funny story, because I had one set up when I was like 18. I was too young to understand what that was, right? But now I'm damn near almost 30. But um question for me, but have you, have you uh, experienced coaching people like that? And, and what do you, would you suggest to someone who didn't know about, Hey, I could transfer this to this company? Yeah. So that's what's called a rollover. So if you're moving from job to job, you wouldn't cash out your 401k because one, you'll get penalized. The IRS penalizes you for take for cashing out your 401k before your age before you're age 59 and a half. And then two, because you never pay taxes on the money that you put in your 401k, then you have to pay taxes. So you get hit twice. So the best thing to do is roll it from one um, tax advantage account to another tax advantage account that are, are, are the same likeness. Um, so I, you know, I've had five jobs and every time I've left my jobs, I've rolled from one 401k to another 401k. Um, and then I've also had a 43B. So 401ks, 43Bs, it really depends on the kind of company you work for. So if you work for a for-profit organization, they're going to offer you a 401k. If you work for a nonprofit organization, they're going to offer you a 43B. So I'm a respiratory therapist. I've worked for hospitals that consider themselves nonprofits, so they offer the 43 b and then I've worked with hospitals that consider themselves for profits and so they offered a 401k so they're kind of the same thing just depends on who you're with so always roll it over and then sometimes you're like well I'm not moving to another job another w2 job you can roll that into an IRA, like I mentioned before, an individual retirement account. And that one will be go going specifically to a traditional IRA. So you do not create a taxable event. All right. So, so personal financing, when you look at what you, you know, your, your debt to income ratio, where does one need to be in order for someone to say, okay, this is, this, this is the step I need to take, right? I want to invest now. I want to put into me now because I heard someone say this. And of course, it's so true with life insurance in general. Life insurance is an investment. You're worth more when we're not here, right? Um, so, so what would you say with that as well? Um, so I'm going to get on my soapbox about life insurance, life insurance, like according to all the things that I know and all the research that I'm reading that I've done, life insurance is not a good investment. It is a tool in our financial box that we use to mitigate risk. 
um, and it's for people who have dependents. So I do not have dependents and so I do not have life insurance. Um, when I become a parent or if I'm just taking care of somebody who's dependent on my livelihood, then it will make sense for me to have life insurance. Um, and the only kind of life insurance that I recommend is term life insurance. Um, it's cheaper and it is, you think about it as far as like, um, like health insurance, like if you stop working at your job and you leave, then the health insurance stops. So that's how term life insurance works. Um, otherwise they, they try to sell you whole life insurance and, and you know, they give you a cash value and all that kind of stuff. If you actually take the difference of what you would pay for term life insurance and any other kinds of insurance fraud that they're offering you, you invested that money your damn self. <laughs> so can I say that? You invested that money yourself, you would actually come out with more money than what that policy would give you. Um, and so what we need to realize that there's just a lot of heavy marketing um, coming from life insurance agencies who are trying to push that to make more money themselves. Um, so, so to answer the other part of your question about like when to invest and, and think, taking into consideration the, the other parts of your life that you have to juggle with it, um, you should invest as soon as possible. And if we're taking into consideration having money in savings like an emergency fund, that is definitely like a priority. Um, but also if you have high interest debt, that's also priority to, to get rid of. So, um, one of the things that's kind of like notable is that preparing to invest takes a while, just setting up the accounts and verifying your information, making sure you, you are who you say you are deciding on what to invest. That takes a lot of time. So I always tell people the sooner you can get that prep work start, start it, do so. And then in the meantime, in the background, you are beefing up your emergency savings. So you have three to six months of emergency money or, you know, three to six months is just like, it's just a guideline, but you can have like a year's worth of emergency money. It just depends on your, your, your higher ability. Like how, how likely is it for you to find a job if you should lose one? Um, and then get rid of debt that's like really eating you alive. Like with the credit cards that they're like 28% APR, like, you know, it's very hard to get yourself out of the hole, even with investing. Um, if you're being like just held back by a lot of debt, um, like high interest debt. Uh, yeah, yeah. You just open up the door for the next question. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's definitely part of it, right? Debt, right? Um, you know, looking at debt, handling debt, then we're going to dive into credit um, and all aspects and leveraging that. So can you give us a little bit more on why it's important to, um, course, you know, establish, you know, uh, you know, really good personal credit, but not only, but if you're in business as well, establishing business credit, leveraging business credit and using that as well. Yeah. So your credit score is definitely important. It tells, it's like um, a rating to tell um, businesses how trustworthy you are as a lender, um, as a lender, how trustworthy you are as a person who's like taking on debt and they want to know that you are likely to pay them back 
in full and on time. So your credit score tells people like, you know, this is a, this is a cool chick. She's, she's got her stuff together. She has a job and she can pay us back in the time that she says she's, she will. Um, so it's important to pay attention to your credit score. And typically I, you know, I kind of, I don't stress about my credit score. It's, and, and it's because I, I'm, I'm good otherwise financially, you know, I pay my bills on time. Um, I don't, you know, ignore bills when they come, that kind of thing. Um, and so like the three main things that you need, you need to look out for as far as your credit score is your history, your, your credit history. Um, <clears throat> if you have like a car that you had from 10 years ago and you're trying to get rid of cars, don't get, get rid of that one because your history, um, that car like is part of the, your credit score or history, your credit report history. Um, paying on time is another really good one. Um, and your utilization ratio. So if you have, so it's like they give you an amount that you can spend, but if you spend more than 30% of that amount, then they're like, uh-uh, she's becoming risky. Don't, uh-uh, like, like th that's like a slap on the wrist. So your credit score is gonna suffer because of that. Um, so yeah, we need to be responsible with credit. There's like so many schools of thought, like don't do credit cards at all. Or like some people are like, it's fine. Like, you know, like if you don't, if you don't have, um, if you don't have any kind of discipline with credit cards or in general, just say that don't say credit cards are bad. Right. So like, I just don't have discipline. So that's why I'm not going to be using credit cards. Um, but I, I definitely think like, I tread lightly with credit cards because I just never want to like get into debt, but it's important to leverage it so that you can acquire more assets so you can build wealth, like real estate assets or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Got to leverage that credit. I, I kind of want to dive back into, um, you know, uh, I think it's uh, our IRA um, and just the aspects of that, because I'm a millennial parent, right? Not that much millennial parents are looking into retirement now, right? Playing the long-term game because it is all about the long-term game for me. I play a different game. I go back to my why. My why is my daughter and the long-term game, right? Generational wealth. So retirement is key because I'm not going to have the energy that I have now at the age of 29 as I will at the age of 79 or 80. So I can't hustle as hard. Right. So I'm giving it everything I have in this realm, in this aspect. So at that time, retirement's cool. So for millennial parents, is is the protocol the same or is it a different kind of conversation? Right. Is it a different kind of conversation with millennial parents who need to start building uh, their retirement and learning a little bit more about their personal finance to create that generational wealth? Yeah. So it is it is perfect, especially for millennial parents parents, we're going to have different um, things to, to think about when we get to our retirement. So it's like, it's, again, it's never too early to start that. As far as, as far as your kids, you can start investing for your kids in um, a 529 plan or an UTMA plan or an UTMA plan. Um, these, again, these are all tax advantage accounts that you can utilize in order to secure your, your children's education um, in their future. 
um, again, and you see me going back to tax advantage accounts, like that's the best way to invest. Um, this is how rich people become rich. Like we heard in the headlines that our, our previous president, Donald Trump paid $750 in, in taxes. And, you know, whether or not it was legal or not, like there's, they'll probably bring it down to it. It was all legal based on offsetting this asset or having in this account versus that account. So we need to start playing big like that too, um, as millennials and as millennial parents is to, to invest or to build wealth smartly. And we need to understand that our tax, like we pay a lot of money in taxes, like taxes is like a huge expense. So if we're able to cut that down as much as possible, then we're able to really get ahead in building wealth. Definitely. And, and understanding taxes too, understanding it too, and leveraging that. Um, I think that's extremely important. That's extremely important because if I knew what I knew now, versus what I knew four or five years ago. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you where I would be. And I'm pretty sure it's the same for everyone because there's times where we're limited because of information, we're limited because of resources. So, and this is why Clubhouse has just been a, 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 like a really big steal for me. It's been a huge steal because I meet people like you, Ashley, who, who share their insight on personal finance and, and come on a platform like this and dive into um, you know, what the beginning looks like, right? Because I'm, it's, I'm sure it's not all beautiful, right? There is some ugliness behind this, right? It's not, it's not cute talking about your credit score and paying off debt, right? A lot of people have a pride issue with that. So how do, how do you have these conversations? Are the conversations a little bit more, you know, are you that kind of a coach where it's like, hey, look, hey, look, I, I can, hey, it's the facts. Or you're one of them like, hey, you know, you're hold, you hold their hand um, along the way. Like, what is that like for you? I'm a little bit of both, but I come forth as like a hand holder. I educate for sure, but I also challenge people to design their lives and like have their money serve them in that way. So like, think about what it is that you envision for yourself and how can you align your money so or organize your money so that it aligns with your values so um you know for me there's like certain non-negotiables um you know like i like to travel i like to dance i like to uh salsa and bachata and so i used to be involved in like these like dance groups and so if you know anything about that whole world it's like it can be expensive, like traveling for, for conferences, buying the shoes, buying the outfits, like all that kind of stuff. It can be really expensive, but that's like my non-negotiable. And my life is designed around the things that really make me happy. Um, but then again, I have peace of mind to move so freely into things that makes me happy because in the background, I'm investing a ton of money, a ton, like a large percentage of my salary so that you know, I can live presently and fruitfully and joyfully in the present, but then also I'm not really sacrificing my future life as well. No, that, that, that's spot on. That's spot on. You know, you're doing what makes you happy. You're putting into your happiness and then you're investing in that because if you don't, I mean, if you don't have that, it's really hard for you to enjoy the present if you're not happy. It's just miserable. 
Um, you don't want to be miserable in every moment. But yeah, I mean, it, it could get frustrating. You know, you could get miserable fast talking about finances if you're financially not where you want to be. And if you spend, and I'm, I'm sure this happens with a lot of people, a lot of people spend months complaining versus months taking action. It's the difference. Imagine taking a step forward now, right? You hear this podcast episode. This is the one that kind of like sparks it for you to get it together. Seven months later, you're in a better position because you took, you made a decision, right? You took action. And now you're in a better position versus you sitting there in seven months, you're still in the same position, complaining about shoulda, coulda, woulda, I shoulda started then. And, you know, just snowballing that debt, right? So you're tackling the, the, the little things, you're adding in a side hustle. We live in an era where skills create the jobs, right? Freelancing is everywhere. This podcast came through this pandemic. So I have like April makes a year for me. I've met so much people. Um, I got a mentor through this podcast and William Mandrell, multimillionaire, a very bl a black successful man. But I've met so much people through freelancing and creating a podcast platform like this. Um, and for me, it's created income, right? So you have to find different gateways to make money and stay afloat because there's no such thing as job security anymore. That, that's going out the window. So what Ashley is saying today, and I'm not saying Ashley is saying word for word what I'm saying, but what Ashley is saying is it's never too late to start over. It's never too late to invest in you and invest into your personal finances and invest into your future, your financial future, whether you are go from unemployed to self-employed, right? So employ yourself and you could start from that standpoint. So if you lost a piece of your 401k before, you forgot to roll it over, um, can you, Ashley, I'm gonna ask you this next question, can someone roll that over if they're into a self-employed position or a new business that they're starting out? That would be my next question. But right. um, it's not too yeah. late. That's a good question. So let me break down what your 401k is, right? So tax advantage accounts, they tax shelter your money differently. So it's either they tax sheltered, they tax shelter untaxed dollars, or they tax shelter tax dollars, right? So in your Roth IRA, you have already paid the taxes because money is coming from your bank account to the Roth IRA, and then you buy the investments from that account. So what that account is tax sheltering is the investment gains. So if your GameStop grew to $10 million, if you wanted to spend it from a, a you know, take it out from the Roth IRA, then you go like, you pay the tax, you don't have to pay the taxes and you walk away. But so your 401k, that account is tax sheltering untaxed dollars. So meaning eventually you'll have to pay the taxes. Um, so if you have your W-2, your W-2 job had a 401k and you wanted to, and you're now becoming um, uh, an entrepreneur and you want to roll that into an account that better suits you, um, and so you can choose the investments with that money, you roll it into a tax advantage account that's like a 401k or a tax advantage account that tax shelters untaxed dollars. And so that would be something like a traditional IRA. Um, and then some other kinds of accounts you can use for in like an entrepreneur, um, you can have a solo 401k, if you have like a corp, you have a business with multiple employees or you can use a step IRA. So, um, so let me, so me 
personally, I, like I said, I'm a respiratory therapist. So I have a 401k through my company. I also have an, an HSA or health savings account. I have a Roth IRA, um, uh, 529 for a child in my life. And I am now an entrepreneur of sorts. And um, so my, my company is called Bankable Facts. And it's, you know, where I inspire and share information about how to be um, a financially savvy person. So that company, I'm going to open a tax advantage account so that I can invest 25% of the income that I make from my sales. So that will be some more likely I'm going to open a SEP IRA. So there's plenty of options. And the way to get started is to pick a brokerage, um, a reputable brokerage, like my favorites are Fidelity, Vanguard, um, uh, Fidelity and Charles Schwab. And you just call up, they have great customer service, particularly Fidelity, call them up and say, hi, I have an old IRA or I have an old 401k from an old job. Can you assist me rolling it into an IRA? Or can you assist me rolling into an account that makes sense for me, right? So you're not really reinventing the wheel. There's so much information. There's so much, there's so much resources for you to get started. And I always like to call, um, call up the brokerages. And when, whenever you're picking a brokerage, so let me just say this, like Robinhood is a brokerage. However, you're limited as to how many, what the, like the perks of a, of a big, a bigger brokerage can offer you. So if I go to Fidelity, I can open up a Roth IRA. I can't do that at Robinhood. If I go to Fidelity, I can designate the beneficiary of my assets. So especially for you, you said you're a parent. So in the chance of you passing away or even becoming disabled, you want to make sure there's a clear line of, you know, of belonging um, that, or there's a clear like document that says, in the case of me becoming disabled or passing away, the person to inherit my assets is my child or the adult who's taking care of my child. And you wanna make sure that you, you're able to do so. You cannot do so with Robinhood. Another um, key factor in picking a good brokerage, I said customer service, I said being able to designate a beneficiary, you should be able to open up you know, tax advantage accounts and, and, and taxable brokerage accounts just the same. Um, cybersecurity, you wanna make sure that the brokerage that you're choosing is not in the headlines every week talking about a breach on your information because you're handing over a lot of information when you're investing your money, right? Because the IRS knows that you're there, you're giving them your social security, your name, your address, all these things that describe who you are. So you wanna make sure that your information is stored um, correctly. And then the fifth thing, um, you want to have access to just about any kind of security that the stock market has to offer. So, you know, if you go through um, a big brokerage, they're going to have some of them have access for you to buy cryptocurrency if that's your choosing. Um, but you want to have access to any kind of index fund or any kind of ETF, um, any kind of stock that's listed, all of the new IPOs, like an IPO is an initial public offering. I think there is like something new in the news is that Bumble is now ha has an IPO, like they're now in the stock market. And now you can buy a part of Bumble. Um, so you want to make sure that your, your brokerage has access to all that stuff 
because you're put you're putting your money your effort your your generate you're banking your generational wealth on this so you want to make sure that you're starting like from a good foundation from the get-go definitely Ooh, i dropped a lot of gems there <laughs> no 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 good i mean look Hey, you know, we need to hear it. We definitely need to hear it. Um, definitely, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast episode, uh, doing your due diligence on these companies and really knowing the backstory uh, before you invest forward. Um, why should you invest in Apple, right? So what are three strong traits about this company or five or, or, or whatever the case may be? But doing that, I'll give you one, for example, Fiverr for me was one, right? Fiverr out the gate was an... Uh, first off a freelancing app, but the stock was just a given to invest in prior, right right at the beginning of the pandemic. I kind of knew that one was kind of going forward because it's a freelancing app and it gives a lot of people opportunities to make money. When jobs closed down, people started to invest in their skill set, which became gigs and they posted it on Udemy and Skillshare and gig sets like Fiverr, right? But that stock kind of like flew up. It was at $70. Now it's up to 200 and something dollars a share, but it's consistent. It's not one of these stocks like a game stock, which just kind of like blew and just went back down to $40. It's staying, it's sustained. And when you kind of look at that, for me, that's kind of what made me understand stocks a little bit more. So I only lost when I invested and just took myself out the game completely. Um, you definitely, uh, to be said, you only lose when you're definitely not in the game. But um, correcting these mistakes and you know personal finances, of course, like there's a lot of loss and gain in investments. You know, as I mentioned before, it's not always pretty. Um, so trials and tribulations, responding to that and investing. So, what would you say to someone who's you know starting out, you know, a new business? You know, a lot of new businesses are pretty much just starting out. How would you say uh, someone could go forth with, okay, I'm starting a new business. Do do we create some type of retirement for our employees? Uh, can you touch on that? Um, so I'm dipping my toe into this world, and so um, I think as you know, starting out, you can you can create like your own solo 401k and have employers be a part of that and, and figuring it out from there. Um, so, you know, I don't really know too much about how to structure those things, but for like, as the individual, as a business owner, you want to make sure that your company has longevity. So therefore you should consider investing some of your proceeds. And I'm starting that right now as a very small business owner but like a very small business owner and very new to the game. Um, I know that personally, I invest a lot of my money in my 401k, like all the tax advantage accounts that I mentioned earlier. Um, so I was like, well, I'm, become, I'm having a business. So I put aside 25% of my proceeds into an account that I'm later going to turn into a SEP IRA account and then buy investments from that account as well. Because I want, just as how was I want, just as how I'd like to have long, I'm in, investing for longevity of my own personal life. I want to have longevity for my own business as well. Yeah, definitely. Longevity is everything right now. You, you, you got to build that. You got to build the space. Um, but like, let's kind of like switch gears for a little bit. So let, let, let's dive in. Let's dive into Clubhouse because the, the way people connect and the way we can connect now is just so different. Are, what are you doing on the app as far as, um, you know, 
with, with the industry that you're in, you know, your voice, how are you leveraging the platform and spreading the knowledge on your industry, what you do? Um, are there some rooms that you have scheduled out consistently? Um, or there's some things that we can look forward to as far as just continuing to follow you on this journey? Yeah, so on Clubhouse, I have a couple of talks that are coming up. Um, one specifically, I'm going to be speaking with some black women who are part of the financial independence, retire early crowd, um, the, uh, fire, uh, that's what, um, fire stands for financial independence, retire early. And so we're going to talk about what it, what it's like to be a part of this space as black women, um, and talk about like our path. Some, one of the ladies, she does real estate, you know, I'm a line of fiber, um, and new entrepreneur. I have another person who is into traveling and leveraging credit cards, um, to do so, but do so financially responsible. Um, so there's just like a, like, a, I think this conversation is going to be a really good one because then we get to, you know, see people and hear from people um, of similar walks in life who are just doing the damn thing and like, who are going against the grain, like, you know, like, instead of like, like, just like having life pass us by and not really having a solid plan for our lives. So so that's that's a clubhouse talk that's coming up. A clubhouse talk that I just get, came out of was um, money and relationships. So we talked about what considerations we use um, when it comes to starting a new relationship. And since, you know, the love day is coming around, um, Valentine's Day is coming up, um, we're in the month of February, um, one of the things that I want, I've always said is for people who are dating to make sure that you have the money talk on or before the first date. Um, you want that person to know that you are financially savvy and that, you know, if anything, it, it kind of lets that person in on, oh, this is a long-term kind of girl, or this is a long-term kind of guy. And you don't have to come out and say things like, how much do you make? Like, you don't ask that question, but you would ask scenario questions. Like, if you got $10,000, um, what would you do with it? And then you would follow up and say, like, what if you got a million dollars, $5 million, what would you do with that money? So asking those questions tells you a little bit about their immediate needs with the, the $10,000 question. And then the, 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 like the big buck question, like the million, two million, five million, or billionaire question, um, it tells you more about their values. So they're more likely to say, well, I'm going to help this charity out. I'm going to retire my parents. Like it, it just tells you a little bit more about themselves that way. And then when you have asked that question to this person that you're interested in, make sure you answer that question too, because you want them to be, to know that you're also thinking long-term and that you're also financially savvy as well. That's a good, definitely a good way to look at it too. I never thought about that. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty dope. See, yeah, hey, you'll know in the first or second date. Like, hey, is this the person you want to invest your time with? Right off the bat, hey, you can get fifty thousand dollars. What are you gonna do with it? No, just go to the mall. Oh, okay, right. But um, hey, definitely makes sense. You gotta have those conversations. I, you know, again, it's definitely breaking out of the conversation because I think with some people, money could become be on a really uncomfortable subject to talk about especially if you don't know how to manage it 
making money is one thing. I think making money is you might, I want to say, yeah, making money is easy. You could get a job and make money, right? You can learn how to trade and make money, but you know, managing it is, it's a whole different animal, right? So yeah, uh, you know, having that conversation too, uh, how do you manage money, uh, right? I'm pretty sure, I don't know if you guys brought it up, but you know, th those kind of conversations, um, I'm not going to ask you from a personal standpoint, but I don't know if that's a question you've ever asked someone like, how do you manage money, right? How do you, you know, but um, yeah, it, you know, it addresses, uh, you know, the negative spot on in terms of just the spending habits because yeah, it snowballs, right? Amazon, it really does snowball. But in all aspects, let's talk about just, you know, budgeting and what that looks like for someone to invest. So, I, I'll play devil's advocate with you, okay? Um, someone has maybe $1,000 or something like that, maybe $1,000, and they could, what, what, what would you do with that $1,000? $1,000, what would you do? All right, so we're going we're gonna to make sure that the things that we need to have are in place. Do you have mm -hmm. money in savings? Do you have um, a lot of debt, right? So... The savings, make sure that you have some money in savings. Let's say you have about, you know, $10,000 and that's going to hold you over for, for three months, it's three to six months if you, in case you lose your job. Good. You're solid there. Let's say you have a little bit of debt. You probably have like $1,200 in or, or $200 in credit card debt. I would pay down that debt right away. The rest of the money, if I want to... You know, I create a rule for myself. Like if I have unexpected money coming in, my rule is that I will invest 25% of it. And then, you know, X amount of percent of it, I'm going to buy myself something nice or I'm going to put it towards something else. But always have that habit of investing money when it comes in, no matter what. Like, so for example, back in January, I didn't work like, I worked only two weeks out of the month. And so the income that came in was half of my monthly income. And so I could have, I didn't have enough to like pay my bills and invest and all that kind of stuff. But you know what I did? I, I invested $28. I put $28 in my Roth IRA because I'm very, I'm just persistent about being consistent. So I, I how I'm, I'm exercising my investing muscle so that when so that if, you know, like there's other things, priorities that I need to take care of, but I want to make sure that I'm just, I'm consistently doing it. Even if it's $5, even if it's $20, I'm still doing it. Um, because there will come a time when I'm able to flex my investing muscle and put more money on it. But in the meantime, and in between time, I need to be exercising good habits. So with $1,000, I'll take care of the priorities first, look up my savings, make sure that the debt is gone. Um, but also I would consider investing some and spending some however way you want to, however, however way you want to go about that. I love the fact that you actually, like you, you created a scenario where you addressed the debt, you tackled that, and then you pretty much just went from there. But yeah, I mean, to your point, uh, I think my biggest takeaway from what you just did was just starting off small and just looking at that and just doing the step-by-step. Step. So I'm sure, you know, there will be success if you just follow those step-by-step. So that was dope. Um, again, thank you for that. Uh, so what are some things that we could look forward to 
um, you know, from, you know, what you do in, in your industry and in personal finance, you know, it's the second month of the year, you know, it's February, six months from now, um, wh where do you see, you know, your brand and your business? What are some things that we could look forward to for uh, upcoming year? Okay, so last year I crossed the 100K, um, uh, 100K in net worth um, and landmark or, um, and I, so I did so by investing my money in, uh, you know, first starting with a tax advantage account and then the investments that I chose, um, I didn't do any single stocks, I did index funds. So, you know, because of that, I consider myself a very solid resource when it comes to getting started. And so I created a course called Investing 101. And I talk about what is a stock. What is a 401k? You know, what is, you know, what to buy, what not to buy? Um, and, and, and what are your expectations when it comes to investing? So investing one-on-one addresses all of those things and it's meant for beginner investors um, because there's no shame in the game. Like we all need to be beginners. We all need to go and start from the ground zero and work our way up because it's, oftentimes not discussed at home and then not even taught very well in, if any, in, in our school system. So that's what investing one-on-one is. And if any of you guys are interested, hit me up. I, um, is going to link the, um, the class where you can take it. I teach it live, but also when you pay for the class, you get a one-on-one -on -one session with me. So it's really, really good value um, in the fact that you get to work with me one-on-one -on -one in addition to taking the class. That's dope. Um, yeah, you know, you know put, put, put yourself in a really good position to win. You know, the day you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. So you, know, you plant the seed now, you're in a good position in six months. So definitely connect with Ashley, look into the things that she's doing, especially even on Clubhouse. Even if you can't, like, you know, if you see that she has a room going in on Clubhouse and you're on the Clubhouse app, you definitely want to make sure that, you know, you jump into these rooms because it's, it's just so crazy. Like the way we could connect and get this information and follow people is just really interesting. So she posts a room on Clubhouse, join in on the conversation, learn, take notes, ask questions, engage, uh, get more Q&A going. Um, but yeah, I always say what good is information if we don't apply it. So apply the information that we're learning today into our lifestyle. I'm one that definitely needs to get better in just looking at the whole long term, which is why I wanted uh, you know, Ashley on this podcast today, right? Because I want to dive into retirement. I want to know a little bit more about the Roth IRA, the benefits of the 401k, why you should roll over, what happens if you don't, right? And just pretty much just getting started and why you should get started now. Um, so yeah, you know, really big ups to you and what, and what you're doing in your industry. But what are, you know, I definitely want to kind of talk about, I don't want to say the bad, but what are some, some of the challenges that you know, you're faced with in your industry, if there are, if there are any, right? I mean, I'm sure in business, not, not all business has that beauty side, but what are the challenges that you were faced with early out in the start of your journey? Um, so let me just say this. I'm, I'm, I'm from, my background is in healthcare. I'm a respiratory therapist. So 
and I studied respiratory therapists as my undergrad. So coming into this finance world, into the social media world, it has its challenges and making sure like, but I know that my voice is important um, because of just who I am. I come from a very unique background in like bridging into the world of finance in that I'm a, I'm a healthcare worker, I'm a nine to fiver. And oftentimes with nine to fivers, they don't get love <laughs> when it comes to, you know, people talk about um, building wealth. Like people become 401k millionaires all the time. And that number keeps increasing um, every year. So, you know, we need to start picking the, the, the lowest hanging fruit and start like, you know, honing into the privileges that we already have um, and, and working, from, working from there. Um, can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah, I would, I would say yeah, because it's like yeah, I don't know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what else I would want you to say if he said yeah. what you needed to. Well, but no, it answers the question though. Yeah, so like I'm here to really in, inspire just the everyday person to get started. Getting started is the hard part, and then yeah. ever like from there on on, it, it is a, a much smoother ride. Um, and you know. I have a place in this space because representation is key. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm representing my race. I'm representing my somebody who's of similar age, somebody who's just like, you know, we have things that are in common and maybe there's something that you see in me. You're like, okay, that girl makes sense. And I, I like, if she can do it, then it's possible that I can do it too. Um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, representation, yeah, definitely, right? You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure, yo, you're a strong black woman, right? It, it's like, yeah, yo, you're a strong black man. But yeah, like you said, there's no, what, you can't afford to have any off days. There's no off days, right? You're going to go out there and perform, right? Serena Williams is going to go out there and perform. LeBron James is going to go out there and perform. Um, to your best capability, you know, you're a professional in your profession. You're going to, you're going to give it everything that you have. So, um, again, uh, big ups to you and what you're doing, uh, shout outs to you and everything that you're doing. So what are some things that, you know, that you're, uh, some things that, you know, you're studying now that you're educating your, yourself on, because I'm looking into various different things for myself, but what are some things that you're looking into now that uh, other people should look into? Is it real estate? Is it like Bitcoin? Like, what are some things that has really recently kind of like speak to your interest? Um, so I'm really boring with my investment strategy. Um, as far as Bitcoin, I don't have much of Bitcoin. I, I did buy some Bitcoin like five years ago. Um, and I was like, oh, let me log into my Coinbase to see what's up. And it's like a couple hundred dollars more than, than I put in. So that's cool. Um, as far as, and when I say like my investment strategy is boring, it's like, I just buy index funds. Um, so I, you know, I just, I own the entire market instead of just targeting one, one fund. And, you know, that's just me accepting that it's hard to pick a stock. It's hard to pick the winning stock. As of November, 2020, the best performing stock was Etsy. And I've asked that questions to a lot of people that guess what stock was the best performing stock to date. And they've all said like Amazon, Apple, you know, like all these kinds of companies and, Amazon and Apple were on the list, but they were not at the top of the list. So 
and you know if I'm an investor I want I want the Etsy I want the winning stock like you said Fiverr like people didn't um you thought that because of the utility of fiber you, like you knew the business model of fiber that it was definitely it was it was likely that it was going to be like a top performer right so like just the everyday person doesn't know that um but yeah i'm i'm into buying and holding index funds for the long run that's why my net worth is as high as it is because i don't waste time playing the games i don't have tolerance for picking losers um i think eventually i will get into picking like single stocks, but I do do a, a lot of risk management. So if, you know, if I'm into get, getting some Bitcoin, then I'm gonna make sure that it's not more than 10% of my net worth. Or if I'm getting into, but picking single stocks that it's, you know, it's not more than 10%, 30%, whatever number I choose based on my risk tolerance. So that's another huge thing that, um, more finance people need to, you know, address is that risk tolerance. All of these investments are exciting, um, but we need to figure out, we need to figure out how it makes sense in our overall lifestyle model um, and our investing model. Um, yeah, and it's, it's cool that you brought up Bitcoin too, because I'm trying to wrap my head around how like what Bitcoin is and, and 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 the utility of it. So I know with stocks that I'm buying companies that produce products and these products are valuable based on people's opinions of it and the way how the marketing is done and all that kind of stuff. I don't really understand Bitcoin um, in that sense, but you know, also as millennials and Gen Zers who are listening, you know, are we at this brink of, of, of this shift that's gonna happen in years to come? And is Bitcoin a part of that shift? I don't know, it's all speculative, um, but I'm not gonna knock anybody who's like interested, but are looking at it that way. Um, but if I were to go all in, I would have to, do a little bit of risk mitigation and figure out like how much in, how much of my toes am I putting into this water? Yeah, man, Bitcoin is pretty interesting. It's real, Bitcoin is really interesting. As, a, as an investment strategy, it's very interesting, but- Yeah, it's looking hot, it's looking sexy. Um, I mean, the more you know, I mean, look, the more you know about it, I have my private testimonials about it. I've seen, I've seen some, uh, I could share a story on it that like one would not believe is true. It's just, it's just really amazing how, oof, how powerful uh, Bitcoin has been. And during this pandemic, for one, there was a point where, and I'm really, I kick myself in the foot. That's why I don't talk. I really don't dwell on my losses. And this is one I had to get over because I was invested in when it was at 40, what, $14,000. Then it skyrocketed and went all the way up to like, what, $47,000 now. But even in that time period, I think I had, because you could buy a fraction shares via Robinhood. So I think I had like $200 in at one point. And then I went back and I checked and it said, oh, your plus total return was like $600. And I'm like, yo, I literally just put this money in here. And it just like, just flew up like that. 
but even to people that don't know, but you could get started with small as diffraction shears, but I kick myself in the foot going back to my earlier point that I mentioned, you only lose when you're out the game. So when I took myself out, it's like, I, I, I it hurt even more because I seen it go up and I wasn't in the position. So I was pissed. So I had that, I would say the FOMO, but I had to get over, I had to get over that. And that was probably one of the most painful investment uh, losses I've ever experienced. I, I don't even talk about it. It's still new. It's like a, it's like a breakup. Like I don't talk about it, but that's what happened to me. Let me tell you what helps me sleep at night. Let me tell you what helps me sleep at night. So I, so I mentioned index funds, index funds, are basically um, funds that mimic uh, an index. So an index was an example of an index would be the S&P 500, which is a collection of 500 of the most profitable companies in the United States. So if I own um, an, a fund that looks like the S&P 500, it's called an index fund. It means that my money is going to fail if and only if all those companies that are in the S&P 500 have gone bankrupt all at the same time. So you're saying that Bank of America, Apple, Amazon, um, five, I, I won't say Fiverr, Tesla, all these companies have gone bankrupt all of a sudden. So you under, when, so I, when I say that, then it, it does help me sleep at night and I understand that, but I don't understand Bitcoin. Like what does Bitcoin truly mean, right? There's no like rhyme or reason with it besides that it's a trend. So we, we know Tesla has bought some, they've bought some really handsome shares of Bitcoin. And then, you know, we have some, 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 um, some sports players who are requesting to be paid in Bitcoin. Um, but Bitcoin is a, is, a, is a cool concept because it doesn't, there's just like, there's a limited amount of Bitcoins that there is to claim. Um, and so like the more you have, you know, you consider, you compare it to like when our money was um, weighted to the gold standard, it's like, you know, money was kind of like backed by gold. Um, and so Bitcoin is kind of taking on the same kind of idea. I'm, I'm so, you know, that's why I'm like, oh, you know, this is probably a shift that's going to happen in years to come. Um, and then are we seated right at the beginning of it? Um, and are we missing out by not jumping in or are we better off just kind of waiting for things to, to kick off? I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. So that's what I'm, I'm looking into these days. It's interesting because it's like, yeah, I, I think we are in the beginning. You know, I, I think in order for us to build, you know, some things just have to break down and just the way the economy has been since the pandemic a lot of doorways is open. A lot of people got a lot of free money. Uh, there's a lot of forgivable grants. I've I've even done this on Clubhouse where I've had rooms where it's like, I'm giving out resourceful links to this and this. Hey, check this out or go here and go here. But yeah, now's the time to get started. Um, but we, uh, to your point, I feel like we are. Uh, we're in that beginning era of, you know, the economy going towards the upside. And I think I don't say I think, but I believe if you position yourself well, if you connect with people like Ashley and really just take it, what she's saying into consideration, playing the long term and looking at the overall retirement aspect, just you'll thank yourself to know that you 
put more into your retirement during a global pandemic than in 20, 30 years, you could tell the story because it's going to be a crazy story to tell. I'm sure the story is going to be different when, you know, say if I interview you 20 years from now, I'm like, yo, Ashley, you remember the time I interviewed you 20 years ago when we talked about retirement? What does that look like 20 years from now? right? Does that industry change, right? So when you talk about the beginning, is Bitcoin a part of the retirement, right? So these are conversations that's pretty interesting, but you kind of see it somewhat happening, kind of, sort of, that door is open. But if, if Elon Musk has that conversation, then you know, you know what's going to happen. It's going to blow up because people have that level of influence and we see that through Clubhouse, yeah, it's, it's, so now it's like we're leaning on everyday, the everyday person um, for knowledge and advice based on their experience. And I'm, you know, that's the beauty of social media used correctly. It's, it's so dope. It's so dope, um, you know, to connect with people uh, like yourself, learn a little bit more because you can know a lot and still know nothing, which is such a blessing. And you're not supposed to. And this is why I always say I network more than I work, because when I do this, it, it opens these mental doorways for me to discover more of the unknown of what you don't know. And you educate yourself on it and you learn. And it's a really good feeling. It's definitely a dope feeling. All right. So summing up, uh, closing out this episode, um, what are some key takeaways that you kind of want to leave people with? Um, what are what are some like if you would say some important things that you want people to look into from this point on and in your industry in terms of personal finance? All right. So focus on your net worth. Um, try to, you know, really fill up those 401ks and your Roth IRAs, just open, start establishing these accounts if you qualify for them based on your income. And to know more about that, you can contact a reputable brokerage to assist you with figuring that out for yourself. Um, so, you know, investing is needed. You can't stand on the sidelines. You can't save your way to retirement in a savings account because money just sitting in a savings account loses value just being there. And so you need to put your money into businesses that are doing great. Like, you know, every time Amazon acquires another company, I get excited because I'm just like, well, I'm an investor. So that means that Amazon is going to continue to hold its value for years to come. Um, and then, you know, understand that just because like, sometimes this conversation isn't a widespread conversation. It's not kitchen table conversation, um, with amongst your friends and amongst your family. And sometimes you have to understand that you might have to step out of that in order to get the resources so that you can be a strong you. Um, and, you know, as we need to normalize that, that's, you know, that's like a, a big one. We need to normalize that. Um, and then the other thing is just prioritize, like take a breather, prioritize the things that make you happy, but also don't sacrifice the things that will continue to make you happy in the future. So um, don't steal the stability that you can afford for yourself in the future by overdoing it in, in, in the present. And I know a lot of people, they're like, well, YOLO. I'm like, yeah, you only live once. So you need to live 
comfortably and you need to figure out how your money can serve you so that you're really truly living your best life for the long term. Damn, that was dope, man. All right, so I got a last question and I also, um, if you can just give us, give us a, give us your contact information where we can find you, um, you know, your Instagram, your LinkedIn, Facebook, your website, where can people find and connect with you? And what is a book recommendation you would suggest for just anyone to, the first book that comes to mind? So right now, oh, first book to, that comes to mind is- And why, and why? Okay, it's, uh, okay. The Simple Path to Wealth. It's a very good book. Um, it's by the author J.L. Collins, and he really makes investing simple. He talks about, he really focuses on what you should buy and why is it so simple? Like it's super simple. It's called The Simple Path to Wealth. Um, another book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sadie. Um, and then if you connect with me on Instagram, my the name of my company is Bankable Facts. That's my Instagram page, Bankable Facts. Um, every uh, two to three months, I lead a book club. So currently we're reading Grow Your Money by Bola Shukundi. She is the um, founder of Clever Girl Finance. And so she wrote a book about investing. So we're delving into that in a, a in an intimate email list of like uh, six to 10 people. And we're talking about our experiences as it relates to, um, as it relates to like the topics that come up in the book. So, and that's a really great way for me to connect with people and to really like, you know, show like, this is it, like just having that healthy conversation that's really rooted in research-based practices through the books that we read. Um, so yeah, follow me on Instagram. If you listen to this podcast, you met me through the podcast, just slide in the DMs like, hey, Ashley, my name is so-and-so. I heard you on the Hobbies um, podcast and, you know, like, let's connect and like, like, you know, how can you help me get started? So like, I'm the girl who helps you get started. I'm, you know, so that's when you think about investing and like, just wanting to know where to start, I got you. That's it. That's it. Oh my gosh. Again, thank you for your time. Again, guys, this is Ashley Van Veen, personal finance coach. Get connected with her. Get connected with her. Um, her contacts will be in the description to this podcast episode. So while you're streaming or viewing this episode, you can click the links directly and connect with her directly and get started on your pathway to financial freedom by cementing your personal finances the right way and investing in your financial future. You can stream this episode of the St. Clair Speak Show podcast and all episodes of St. Clair Speak Show podcast, now streaming on Audible, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, Overcast, Radio Republic, Breaker, Facebook, and now YouTube. Like I always say, guys, it's that time. I will see you guys in the next one. I'm out.